Today on Ovias and Gilio, we're joined by North Carolina Athletics Director Bubba Cunningham. Coming off a fantastic event in Chapel Hill between Wrexham and Chelsea, what events can we expect in Chapel Hill next? Plus, what's the truth? What's real? What's not with the Magnificent Seven and closing that revenue gap between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the SEC? Plus, Kyle Bailey, WFNZ, we're a week out from the start of training camp for the Carolina Panthers. Um, Where are those contracts for Bryce Young and Brian Burns? We'll discuss. OG. 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 It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. By doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius. I am in the Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh, Empire Properties. Gillio, is it are you are you in the birthplace of the ACC, Joe? Are you at Sitchfield right now? I am. I'm here. Um, sitting right across from the pool and kind of sort of behind the ninth green. Uh, The Wyndham Championship is going to be here the first week of August. We are going to be here Hmm. the first week of August. The PGA Tour was kind enough to credential us, me, you, and our uh, social media intern, Jackson Julio. So since you don't (laughs) golf, you don't golf, I decided to take advantage of the media round, which Jackson Julio and I will will do this morning after we wrap up here. Uh, Okay, I have a couple questions. You won't. You won't get up at 1.35 in the morning to watch British Open golf, right? Because that's what time they teed off today. I did not. I, but I was up at 4.30. I was, I was up at 4.30. Say, what time did you get up to get out to Sedgefield in order to make sure this podcast happened and you could still golf at, what, 8.30? Is that when you're taking off? Yeah. So I got up at 4.30, made some breakfast, made some coffee, turned on the golf. There's a Georgia yeah. Tech golfer from South Africa who's currently leading the Open Championship, Christo Lamprecht, I believe. Lamprecht, maybe is how you say it. ACC legend. Uh, ACC legend shot a 66 this morning. <laughs> um, Stuart Sink, also ACC legend, Georgia Tech, right up there oh. next to him. So just as just as we all predicted, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know how it goes. No, um, I left at six. I left Garner at six. Got here like at 7:29. So. Uh, and shouts to Rob uh, Goodman, who's with the Wyndham Championship. He's the media coordinator for the Wyndham Championship. He's our guy. He's going to have us set up here the Wednesday before the tournament and also has us set up here on the patio with the uh, Wi-Fi. So can't so, do it without him. My other question is you you said Jackson is our social media director? Social media intern. Yes, okay. one of our social one of our interns, our third intern. Actually, he's an employee, if we're being completely transparent well, here. I, so. I, just gave, I actually just gave Caleb a job. Good. So he's yeah, at, he's also one of our employees. Yes. He is, Caleb is an employee of this, of this LLC now, and I have tasked him. He is now the director of Discord. So okay. uh, shout out to Aaron over at SoundOff. Him, him and Anna have been helping us out with a lot of graphic stuff over yes. at uh, SoundOff. So. By all means, go buy some vintage equipment, stereo equipment from uh, from Aaron and Anna over at SoundOff. Uh, and Anna does wonderful work. Yes. She's we couldn't do any of this without Anna. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She's got the cups and the stickers and all that stuff. She's our point person on that. So we truly appreciate her. So go buy some stuff from SoundOff. But, um, you know, Aaron's like, you got to be on Discord. Because Aaron wa- was or is an iRacer. Okay. 
So he's like super into NASCAR, super into iRacing. And he's like, yeah, you know, you got to go live streams. You need Discord. That's where your super fans are hanging out. I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about Discord. I just know my kids are on it. I messed around with Discord when everybody thought Twitter was going to die. But I, it's I'm over my head. So I told Caleb, I'm like, hey, man, do you want to start an OG Discord and be the moderator? He goes, oh, I can. He's, he's, he perked up. He's like, well, I can set up like some moderation bots. Like, do you need like a channel for just a show? Do you need different sports? So he's all in. So we'll have a Discord on the way. Did you watch any of the Chelsea-Wrexham match last night from Keenan? I did not because I was at the Savage Wolves Pack of Wolves fundraiser extravaganza oh, okay. last night over at nice. Northridge Country Club. Nice. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with my my man, J-Sam, Jalen Samuels. Did you show him uh, your yellow pad stats of all the things that he did and did not do while he was at NC State? J-Sam's my guy. He, he I, already knows. Um <laughs> <laughs> he'll be on law of the wolf soon cool. uh, james smith williams also spent some time with him last night great to see him and of great course dude. great dude hayes lancaster greg Hatem. uh it, it, it was i think it was a fundraiser for pack of wolves and savage wolves but it might as well have been for us so uh <laughs> I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed all of it and of course the philip was there yeah um you know he doesn't make many trips to north carolina so good to see him uh, with the people, and they and Scotty McCreary played some mm-hmm. songs. There, there was a painting of Philip, then that ended up selling for eighty thousand dollars, and they uh, auctioned. It was an auction. It was going. They were back and forth on that day. Who, but you and, didn't. You didn't no, charge it. Come on, gonna, man. I'm not going to see that Philip Rivers portrait behind you. No, here in no, the studio, sir. am I? No, sir. Grand. It was actually Reed Johnson for uh, Savage Wolves. Who ended okay. Up but of course, you got an autographed and a picture with Philip Rivers. So I mean, that was that was pretty cool, actually. Okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, no, the reason why I don't I don't put it past you because, like, if I've learned anything over the last couple of weeks, you're always looking for. Well, that's a tax write off. That's a tax write off. <laughs> I thought maybe you could finagle away that hey, this this, mm-hmm. this Philip Rivers thing is for the studio space, so I'm going to write off eighty grand. <laughs> no, no, sir. No, it was a really cool. Very cool event, though. Uh, Terry Harvey, Mikey G, uh, a lot of guys, you know, nice. uh, former players, Justin Burris. So it was cool. Nice event. Yeah, I ended up watching the Chelsea-Wrexham match on television last night. And it's funny, you and I were joking about, you know, are they going to make all these references to UNC? You know, is, are they going to... You know, we were joking. Again, folks, we were joking about NC State references because you'll remember back in February for <laughs> the stadium series... There was a very minor vocalization from UNC fans who were Canes fans that were like, man, it was like an infomercial for UNC or for NC State. There are Carolina fans who like uh, the Hurricanes, right? So we were kind of joking around about how they would present this. And it dawned on me in watching it that we had it wrong, that what was happening at Keenan was completely different from the stadium series event in every way possible, right? Uh, What ended up, the way I kind of interpreted this was twofold. One, this was a preseason game between Chelsea and Wrexham on an international tour. It's no different than what the NFL used to do when they would take preseason games to other non-NFL towns. For instance, Carter-Finley Stadium, Keenan, and uh, Williams-Brice all hosted preseason games in the late 80s, early 90s as part of a you know, uh, an interest tour to bring the Carolina Panthers, which we know the rest is history. Shout out to the Skyhawks. So that's what this kind of felt like. 
it's the equivalent of, oh, you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You don't necessarily have opportunities to go to Pittsburgh, but the, the Steelers are playing a preseason game at Bank of America Stadium, so I'm going to buy the cheap tickets and go. Now, obviously, these were not cheap tickets because it's a big international tour with big international uh, franchises like Chelsea and now because of TV Wrexham. So I kind of got that sense. It wasn't put on by ESPN. It was put on by the international broadcast and the feed was almost like internet quality. It was a little wonky feed, but whatever. But that's the main difference that I picked up on. And then I was texting with a variety of people who were there, uh, including some friends of ours. I think Dimitri put it best when he said, this was really like a giant television fan convention for Wrexham, right? Like all the people who had really invested in the show This was their opportunity to see these guys that they've gotten to appreciate through the television show. And it became just a gathering of Wrexham TV show fans. Uh, And then, of course, you have the Chelsea fans. This is their opportunity to see it. And it kind of became like a big kind of convention of fandom. But in watching the game, Joe, man, Mm -hmm. Wrexham's a cool story. I am not by any means a soccer expert. But you could tell that Wrexham had no business being on the same field as Chelsea, even with the B team out there. Like you can tell like, oh, so that's the difference in the levels. I get it. It was, it, you know, what? It, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the summer sports talk radio topic where we like take Alabama's best team. Right. Right. The Jaguars. <laughs> Could the 01 Miami Hurricanes beat the whatever Owen 15 Panthers, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And then you realize actually, no, they can't because there's a difference between the dudes, especially up front on the line. You can see that skill. Again, Wrexham's a great story. It's a lot of fun, but 5 nothing. you could kind of get the idea that, yeah, there's a difference between these two squads, man. So as we mentioned, stickers, um, we've got cups. We still have to figure out a way to get the cups out there, Joe. I don't know quite how to do it. We only have 50, um, but okay. I, I got plenty of people that I know we have to you know, dibs, you know, a lot of our sponsors, uh, they're going to get dibs on these cups. If you want a sticker though, I just got a new stash of the logo sticker, the the little wadded up yellow pad with the O and G. So if you want one of those email, the OG goes digital at gmail.com and just put sticker in the subject line. Again, that's the OG goes digital at gmail.com in this, in the subject line, just put in sticker, send me your address and then I will uh, get it in the mail. Uh, when I have time to do so. And we also have a way that we're going to give away these breeze through lifetime refill tumblers with the OG logo on it. And uh, that's going to start up in a couple of weeks when we bring back the mixtape. So be on the lookout for that on how we're going to handle that. Speaking of breeze through drop on by any number of their locations across the state. They got plenty here in the triangle. Did you hit a breeze through on your way out to Greensboro? I did. Absolutely. You know, I needed coffee this morning. I know you did. I know Uh, Adam Stevenson and his crew. They've always got you covered no matter where they are. Of course, they're there on Edwards Mill Road or by Pool Road on your way into Walnut Creek. You name it. They're there. The breeze through crew has you covered for all your travels this summer. And shout out to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. As you mentioned, Joe, you saw Hayes uh, who runs these joints at the Savage Wolves fundraiser, which I know you had a good time on that. And it's funny, I was out and about yesterday doing some grilling. You know, I mentioned I was at the pool. There's no treatment. I got bitten up. Well, yeah. in my backyard, grilling out. Not the case because Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority take care of that during the summertime. You should get that done too. Yeah, bugsbite.com, Hayes Lancaster and his crew, they've got you covered. 
bugs inside the house. You got ants inside the house. You got termites under the house or outside the house, inside, outside, in the attic, in the underneath the crawl space, moisture, mice, you name it. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, BugsBite.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline is the athletics director of North Carolina. He is Bubba Cunningham. And again, he joins us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Are you on a, are you on a bus, Bubba? Are you on a train? What are you doing right now? I'm, I'm in the car. I didn't realize when Joe called me and wanted me to do this, I didn't realize it would be a video. I'm on my way to Pittsburgh to renew our rivalry with him yeah. that, has, that has lost. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We must negotiate this new scheduling arrangement. We I'll put the yellow on for you. <laughs> well, you know, I guess we could. Since you brought up Pittsburgh, we can start. We can start there as you move up the NCAA selection committee um, leadership group. Which congratulations on that! You'll be heading up that committee starting up in 2025. Do you have to recuse yourself when, when Pitt is discussed because of that rivalry you have with the period? That's a great question. I will, I will do my best to be objective. <laughs> so, again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate the time. I know things are never really – there's no real off-season for you as athletics director because beyond just handling what you are in control of with your actual teams and dealing with coaches and everything else, you're trying, to, you're trying to bring events. You're trying to generate some more revenue, and you had an awesome opportunity – with Chelsea and Wrexham. I, I did not go last night, but everybody that I know that did go had an amazing time. It looked great on television. And I got to imagine that this is not the end of what you're trying to do with Keenan and, and bringing more events like this in the future, right? Yeah, it was a great event. It was a lot of fun. We you know we had an awful lot of people on campus and at the stadium that had never been there. And, uh, you know, Chelsea just does this tour all over the United States. And it was very fortunate that Wrexham is so popular right now. So to have Wrexham come as well, it was, it was a fun event. People really enjoyed it. It made, you know, Chapel Hill's very quiet in the summer. So mm-hmm. it gave some life to Chapel Hill's a summer activity. So it was it was a fun night, a little hot. It was funny. I was listening to those interviews, a lot of the players. First thing they asked them when they got off the bus, when they flew in, how do you like North Carolina? Every one of them, it's hot. <laughs> it was, you know, those guys from Scotland don't expect that kind of humidity, but it was a, overall, it's a really fun night. Is there a way for you? I know one of the big problems in trying to get different events to Chapel Hill is you, you are like a functional campus with a functional hospital next to your football stadium. So is this something, you know, a, can you try to attract some things in the summer like this, maybe concerts or other events that might work for you guys at Keenan? Yeah, you know, we used to do some of those long before I got here, back in the 80s and 90s, we did them. Um, Parking, alcohol sales, those things really drive those third-party events. And, uh, you know, the state law has changed, so now we do can provide or serve alcohol, sell alcohol. Uh, Parking still becomes a challenge. And you're right, the hospital, having the stadium right next to the hospital, you know, we can never have one-way traffic in and out. Mm -hmm. We have to maintain lanes for ambulances. I can't believe that, but we have to do that. But... It, it does some, you know, we want to do some events, but we, with 28 teams, we have over 200 athletic events a year. We host over a million people. And part of it is giving the campus a break. Yeah. Um, we do have a faculty practice in the, uh, the dental school, in the hospitals. We have regular scheduled appointments. So it really is an inconvenience to campus and we have great campus partners. So we try to be sensitive to that as well. So in terms of, of, increasing revenue you mentioned the the beer sales uh it was at it's at keenan it's been at keenan for a while you got the blue zone and everything else 
beer sales at the Smith Center when exactly? You know, I don't anticipate that. Um, you know, it's a it's a perfect facility for a perfect like nine thousand seat facility, uh, but we have twenty one thousand that come, mm-hmm. and so the restrooms, the concessions, it just to me it it, it it's it's not an appropriate facility to do that. Okay. Um, it's going to, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. Uh, we have to make some reno- renovation modifications before I'd really consider it. Well, that's something that has kind of been on your back burner since you arrived in Chapel Hill as the ethics director of, of what, to, what exactly to do with the Smith center. Uh, where, yeah. where do things stand on that? Is there more of a push for renovations? Is there more of a push for a new building? Yeah, we're starting to think about that. You know, we're trying to figure out what is next. Uh, we've done an awful lot of work in the last couple of years on our other campus facilities. Mm-hmm. So now it is, you know, it's time to tr- start to turn our attention in the other direction. Bubba Cunningham, North Carolina AD, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's Jovius. I'm Joe Giglio. Um, I-, I think you're magnificent, Bubba. <laughs> but how did you feel about someone else, a third party anonymously, saying, you're one of the magnificent seven of the ACC. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, that was that was a bit unfortunate, I will say. Um, you know, we we've all met. You know, you have a, a big group. We have 15 ads, 15 schools in the league. You always have one or two people in different conversations. Uh, the group kind of grew to seven, and you know, there was an article about. It. I can't remember who wrote it. I guess it was uh, Ross Dellinger who wrote an article. And it really didn't get a whole lot of traction because there's been a lot of talk about conference affiliation. And then all of a sudden, Brett McMurphy labels it Magnificent Seven, and all of a sudden it blows up. So once you label something like that, it, it certainly uh, takes a turn. But the great thing about it is it brought us all together to say, okay, let, let's talk this through. Let's Everybody put your cards on the table. Let's talk about what's good and how do we make it better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where we are right now. Are you satisfied with uh, the results in – kind of tweaking the revenue share based on results? Yeah, we're making progress. I mean, it's always there's always going to be a differential. There mm-hmm. would likely be a differential within our league. Mm-hmm. But I think we're making good progress and say, hey, if you're successful, you know, you're going to generate more revenue. And, and I think that's great. The other thing we'll really spend a lot of time on is the partnership with ESPN. Our upside is in the ACC network. The base rights are the base rights, but the partnership is with the network. How do we make that more valuable? How do we become better partners? And I think if we can do that, then then everything is going to get better for the league, for everyone. Does it feel like to you that a lot of people on the outside don't really understand the grant of rights? And when you hear this expansion talk, that it's not a reality because of the grant of rights? Maybe, you know, five, six years down the road, this might be something more serious. But like right now, do you... Do you tune a lot of that out or do you have to keep all of your eyes and ears open for the best opportunities for, for UNC? Well, we try to do both. I'm sorry about all the lights here. So I, no, no, no. I don't have great a great for our aesthetic. We love it. It, it looks good. You <laughs> fit right in, man. Come it looks on. like you're in a JJ Abrams movie right now with all the lens flare. It's great. Great special effects. Um, you know, every, every school has had attorneys look at the grant of rights, have looked at the ESPN contract. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reality is the grant of rights is significant. So there's an exit fee to leave our league. We all know what that is. And then on top of that, we have a grant of rights. We have granted our rights to the ACC. The ACC has sold those rights to ESPN. I, after you've done that, I, there's really not a lot of wiggle room. People say that, well, just just get out, pay the fee, and then 
go to court and settle the grant of rights. Well, I'm not sure you can. And I don't know how long it would take and I don't know what the number would be. And so, in my opinion, the better thing to do is make this league the best we can possibly make it. And it's a great league. So how do, there is a financial gap. There's no question about it. But do the best you can to close that gap. And as you saw, this year's competitive excellence, you know, the Pac-12 and the ACC, we had, what, nine national championships? They had eight. The Pac-12 did. You know, we're far ahead of some of the other leagues. So let's really concentrate on what we have, not what we don't have. I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. But you said and I don't want to miss misquote you here. You don't know what the number is. But, you know, so what are all the lawyers trading notes about? I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to dis I'm not trying to dismiss uh, the idea that the Magnificent Seven had some it had a name. It had a label. That's what picked up on social media. And that's what everybody obsessed with. But it's pretty obvious that you all have been talking. So what exactly have you been talking about if you don't know what the number is to leave? Well, first of all, we didn't label ourselves, right? True. I mean, Brett tagged us, okay. Right. Second is... Are you sure it wasn't the Florida State AD? <laughs> Come on. I, I you know another, how the sausage is made. I, I, I will tell you both a name that I gave us after the fact, but I won't do it on this one. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> Got it. Um, as it relates to a number, what I was saying is we know the number to withdraw from the league. Okay. That, that is a, a defined number. Okay. The number that I say is in question is the grant of rights. Mm-hmm. So can I buy back the grant of rights? I know the grant of rights says I've granted my rights. They've been sold to ESPN. I could calculate that number and say they own my rights from now until 2036. The payout is going to be $30 million a year. So that's 12 years. That's going to be $360 million. Let's just say that that's the number. My point is we would go to court and argue and say, well, I can't pay that or I shouldn't pay that. ACC said, well, just give us X million to get out. That's why I'm saying that number is not known. Got it. That, that's what I meant by I that. I just want a clarification on that because, uh, you know, somebody might take this conversation, put it on social media and, you know, go crazy with it. I can't believe that would happen. No. Never. Not in this environment. <laughs> So let me let me ask you this. You ha- obviously have a tremendous relationship with Boo Corrigan, NC State's athletic director. Uh, Randy Woodson and uh, Kevin Guskowitz also have a really good relationship. Is there any scenario where you could see Carolina, the flagship, making a power move and leaving NC State behind? Uh, no, as you said, we've got great relationships. We communicate. We're in the same system. I would no. What I see us doing is cooperating, working together, and finding a a great solution. Again, we want to stay in the ACC. We want the ACC to be strong. We're not actively out there saying, "Hey, what what are we going to do?" We're actively trying to figure out how do we close the revenue gap. How do we maintain the teams that we have and the success that we have? That that's been our charge. The other stuff is is conversational. You recognize though that you're in a different position than pretty much every school not named Notre Dame. Like if there was a free draft right now, North Carolina might even go ahead of Notre Dame, in my opinion. That's how strong your brand is. So you're in a different position than Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, NC State. Um, You know, you're a a wanted, known, proven commodity. Um, So isn't it almost like incumbent, almost don't you need to be the one as Carolina and as the leadership at Carolina to be like, all right, what can we do? to make the ACC what it is. Because quite frankly, we've tied Carolina and the ACC for a lot of different reasons together for, well, you know, almost 70 years now. 
Right. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. What can we do to make the ACC better? That's where we are. Mm -hmm. And at some point when you have some room to either change the ACC or leave the ACC, but that's quite a ways off. So right now, I think it's our responsibility to make the ACC as as good as we can and make it as as the best situation for North Carolina. And I think some of these uh, success incentives we're talking about have all started to, uh, to come to fruition. We've talked about this for a while. But as the league has gotten bigger, I think now it's starting to get a little more traction. Gilio mentioned it, your relationship with NC State Athletics Director Pooh Corrigan. Do you guys kind of chuckle that you control everything in basketball and football these days uh, with the CFP <laughs> and the NCAA committee? Like uh, everything's coming through the triangle now, Bubba. He's like, I was on the committee last year. I couldn't get my men's team in, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Boo couldn't get his team in the championship either. Right? I thought, I, we, all, we both thought when you get on these committees that your team would get a bye or something. It just doesn't work that way. That, that's, that's, only, that's only Notre Dame against that treatment, sir. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Uh, I guess so. But, I mean, it is. It is so I, I am curious. You, the, the life of, of somebody who's in athletics, that – you know, you're, you're doing what you want to do, but there's always other opportunities. So, you know, how long had you thought about, you know, kind of getting to a position where you're now doing this with the NCAA selection committee or Boo Corrigan putting himself in a position where he's the CFP chair? As somebody who's had a lifetime in athletics, how do, how do, how do you get to that point? I, I guess you that you probably just said it. You know, they've they've run out of other options, so you're kind of oh, the guy. Man, stop! <laughs> oh, no, that's that's my career, Bubba. Basically, you just, you just stick around long enough. We're like, eh, give Ovius a microphone, and nobody else is going to do it. Nah, nah, you you have to earn that, Bubba. Come on now. Well, uh, you know, we've been involved in a lot of different things. So, I, you know, I've been lucky to have been at you know four different schools: two public, two private, then mm-hmm. a bunch of different leagues. So. You know, I do think the experience and the uh, and seeing it from different lenses, I think, gives you a different perspective or a, a, a more broad perspective. So, you know, we talk about other topics when you got you and I or all three of us have talked about broad based programming, compensation mm-hmm. and those things. You know, that that's all because of the different experiences I've had in the different schools. And, and I think that perspective, especially with the basketball, you know, we have 360 teams. There's, you know, we have everybody from Michigan and Texas with a couple hundred million dollar budgets all the way down to, you know, Centenary, Fairleigh Dickinson or FAU in one tournament. So how do you try to treat everyone fairly and create opportunities and exposure um, for the most important thing for the NCAA, which is their lifeblood? So I, I think that perspective helps. Where where do, where do things stay? Last question on the NCAA for me. Where do things stand on the the kicking around of expanding the NCAA tournament. How do you feel about this? We just started talking about it this summer, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. I know Dan Gavitt had some quotes about it. You know, how, how do you consider the NIT? You know, we have 68 teams in the NCAA. The, the NCAA owns the NIT with 32 additional teams. That's 100. But it's really, you know, it's not the same. You know, I get in discussions with, you know, the football coaches and say, you know, half of the football teams qualify for a bowl game. Driving through a bad spot. He's on Old Stage Road, apparently, in Garden. Oh, that's where oh, we that's what happens to me. Yeah, look, while we're on men's hoops, when you have a disappointing season, you know, part of your job is to go to the coach and say, hey, how, how can I help you and how can I help help us get to where we want to be? What were some of those conversations like with Hubert this offseason? Well, when I went to see him, he said, you should probably go talk to baseball because they're in season. He didn't want to talk to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
you do have those conversations. And, you know, it wasn't the season any of us wanted, including Hubert. So what do you do? You double down on recruiting. You mm-hmm. uh, think about everything that's involved with your program, uh, your players, your coaches. What can we do better administratively? And um, then you go out and you make the changes you think are necessary. And you take a look at our roster, and it's very, very different this year than it was last year. And, I, you know, I think that's what, that's where you start. Bubba Cunningham, Athletics Director, North Carolina. We appreciate the time as always. We always appreciate these candid conversations. Safe travels. And uh, I guess we'll see you in Charlotte for kickoff next week. I look forward to it. Sorry about the uh, cutting in and out there. Have a great day, you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Bubba. Next topic, please. Once again, big thanks to UNC Athletics Director Bubba Cunningham for joining us here on Ovias and Gilio. It's just obvious now because Gilio had to, to get out of here for his media day at the Wyndham at Sedgefield. It's fine. We made it uh, We made it work. Big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. We understand that this area is pretty crazy right now when it comes to the real estate market. So if you're looking to buy, you're looking to sell, commercial real estate as well. But I know residential can be really, really hectic right now. You need somebody who gets it. Hometown Realty absolutely gets it. And look, you get you need to knock out a contract for that home sale. Uh, maybe you've got a grant of rights that you need knocked out for you and your homeowners association. Whitaker and Hamer can help you out with that. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer. Whitaker and Hamer's got locations all across the state. They got all the G's covered as Julio so wonderfully took a picture of the Garner location. So go, go ahead, check them out. WH.lawyer. Joining us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, he is the afternoon host on WFNZ in Charlotte. He is my friend Kyle Bailey. Kyle, what's going on, man? What's up, buddy? Look at you, just dripping in sponsors, crushing the podcast world. I mean, the real estate market, you got everything going on, man. I, I love it. Look, man, you know this about me. I'm a worker bee. You tell me what job you need done. I'll do it. You pay me. I go home. This whole small business owner thing is quite the adventure. But you know what? It's a reset. It's a reset. I'm I'm going I'm going with optimism, just kind of like how the, how the Panthers have been doing this so far this offseason. I know I've talked about it with you on your show. What I'm curious about is more of the nitty gritty now going forward as we're a week away from training camp opening up. Yes, Bryce Young brings the optimism. Yes, the Carolina Panthers have been dripping in nostalgia. It's been a lot of fun to check out. But last time I checked, I mean, I I haven't refreshed Twitter. It's in my notes. He doesn't have a contract yet, does he? Uh, I think it's close, but no. I mean, look, we we all know where that... (laughs) We all know how this ends. So yeah, he's going to have one. Um, He he just signed a deal with Bojangles, Joe. I mean, come on. I saw him with the pictures, you know, with with the boxes outside Bank of America Stadium. You can't have Bojangles boxes and not be locked in. Come on now. Exactly. He's already committed. I mean, it's really just a matter of minutia and trivialities when it comes to the football contract, but uh, they'll get it done. All right. So speaking of contracts, where are we on Brian Burns? Because that seemed to be another offseason priority for the Carolina Panthers. There's clearly interest in Brian Burns. There was a lot of draft picks reportedly thrown the Panthers way to get him. But Panthers feel strongly that they've got the guy they need in that position. So where's the contract to go with it? Where are the things staying with that? Oh, I I think that this is one that um, I don't think it's contentious. I don't Mm -hmm. think it can be. It couldn't be because of the way they operated last year. You know, they signal to everybody, we're keeping this guy. We don't want your first-round picks. We don't want your two first-round picks. We don't want your two first-round picks or your second-round pick. This is our guy. We're going to keep him. And so right uh, right now it's a matter of, okay, how high is the price going to go? 
Um, you know, is Brian Burns willing to take any sort of haircut to make sure that players around him, you know, are also getting paid? Not that he necessarily should. It's just a matter of what's that conversation like. Um, you know, and Nick Bosa is going to reset the market when, no matter when that deal gets done. That guy's going to get probably $33 million a year. Mm. Uh, so we've got, we've got a promo running on the station of me like a month ago, month and a half ago, ranting that, hey, probably $22, 23000000 million. And then you look at Bosa and I'm like, nah, I think that might be a little bit short. It might be more than... 24, 25, 26 range when it's all said and done. They're going to they're gonna get the deal done. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they already didn't want to let him leave. But uh, once you publicly signal to him that he's that important to you, it's just a matter of, you know, what that final number looks like. There's, no gonna be, there's not going to be any sort of drama with camp opening up. Brian Burns is not the type, type, type of guy to not show up, right? No, nah, I, I mean, I, you never say never. But, um, sure. you know, the, one of the reasons that they're so committed to keeping him is because he's been such a good locker room guy. You know, sure. he's, been such a, he's been such a good team guy. They have no problem paying him over there. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't think that's even going to be remotely necessary. I think it's a matter of hell. By the time I finish the show today, we could hear about a Brian Burns extension being done. That would be nice uh, because the one thing I've enjoyed about this reset of the Carolina Panthers is that there doesn't seem to be any silliness. It seems like it's being run by adults again at Bank of America Stadium. So that gets us back to Bryce Young and how Frank Reich and the Brain Trust is going to operate. We know when they broke their mini camps that he was positioned as QB1. There's no reason why that's going to regress. So how do you see things opening up for the Panthers next week and how they approach preseason game number one with Bryce Young at QB? Um, Well, I'm sure you saw the report from our mutual pal, Joe Person, the other day that uh, Matt Corral is going to get the lion's share of the reps in preseason, which I think is the right way to go. Um, Andy Andy Dalton needs zero preseason snaps. Um, He doesn't even need, you know, first-team reps, quite frankly. He's 35 years old. He's been around a long time. Uh, he was brought here to be a mentor and a break glass in case of emergency backup, and he's perfectly capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, they're going to need to get – I'd say if you want to go on a, on a split, a percentage split, I would think that Matt Corral to Bryce Young, it's probably going to be 75-25. Right. You've got to get Bryce reps. You also want to keep him healthy. Uh, but I think it's really important to, to get Matt Corral some reps, uh, not because he's your future, but because not only did you take him in the third round last year, you gave up an additional third rounder to go do that. So, you know, you either need to let him show that he's uh, an NFL caliber quarterback and you know, try to entice someone to trade for him to get some of that value back, or mm-hmm. you may want to hold on to him. Um, I don't think they need to be in any rush to trade Matt Corral. This is an important preseason to figure out what they've got in him for multiple reasons. You know, and if Bryce Young is the football savant that he was billed to be coming in and is apparently already showing over there, there's yeah. no reason to play him too much in the preseason. Give Matt Corral 75%, give Bryce Young the 25% to get him ready for game speed and be done with it. And that, I, okay, so this is the part that I find interesting because I did see that Joe Person report, but I don't put too much stock in some stuff that's said because remember when they drafted Bryce Young, you had Scott Fitterer talking about how Andy Dalton's, you know, the number one right now. Well, we all knew that that wasn't the case. We, I mean, while I give the Panthers a lot of credit in how they've done the messaging, they still can't help themselves with a little bit of the saying something but not actually following through on it. I don't disagree with your points about Matt Corral. What do you have in him? We don't really know anything about that guy when they drafted him in the third round. But I also don't want the Panthers to make the mistakes that we saw last year where they had a faux quarterback competition. And when they got to pre- when they got to game one, Baker Mayfield didn't look like he was prepared to go because they were trying to make Sam Darnold a, a thing still, right? So I feel like if you feel if you are strong about Bryce Young starting game number one, you want him to have that familiarity with his wife. He's a savant, but you still got to play with the guys you're going to be playing with. So do you think 75-25 is enough with, uh, with with potential playoff implications on the line? 
I do, um, <laughs> in part because you've got Robert Sala and the Jets coming to Wofford for a week of, uh, you know, of practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you've been around long enough to know that all these coaches pretty much to a man will tell you they get more out of joint practices 1v1 than they do these preseason games. Yes. Um, in, in, in large part because they don't want to show anything on tape on these preseason games. Um, you know, media, when we're going to be there, I'll be at camp for first, uh, the first practice next Wednesday. Like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll keep us there for the warm-ups and the stretching and the, the shell drills. But as soon as they go full on, they're either going to put those guys on the furthest field away with no cameras or they'll pick uh-huh. us out. Um, you know, so they're not going to want to show much. And, you know, that's – first of all, the Aaron Rodgers tie coming to town for camp is obviously going to bring a lot of attention. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the part that people aren't talking about as much is that's a hell of a defense for Bryce Young to get reps against. Um, in joint practices in, in camp. So I think they can really get value out of that. Um, you know, and I, I think, as you know, Joe, not only do coaches not have any obligation to tell us the truth, they have no inclination to tell us the truth when it comes to, you know, how they want, no, I mean, how they want to handle things. And so when Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich all said, I, Andy's QB1, uh, anybody who's been around for a couple of years just kind of smiled and said, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just let us know when you've changed your mind. And it was just a couple of weeks later, they said, well, hey, you know, we've seen enough that we've, we've, we're elevating Bryce to QB1. And so, of course, naturally, the next question was, oh, so he's going to start week one. Well, 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 we're not there yet. Um, you know, that's just it's just another step in the process. So we all we all know where this leads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mike, you, you brought up the Jets and and I'd I'd actually just remembered they're supposed to be on hard knocks. So you get, you, you can try to get in the background. You know, all the cameras are going to be there, man. Come oh, on. You got to know the cameras at all times. You got to be like Tom Cruise. Always be smiling. Joe, look at this mug. Look at your mug. I mean, we're, we're two handsome men. We gravitate to the camera. So, you know, I can only imagine uh, how I'll look on HBO here in about a month. You'd be rocking some Hokies gear? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> man, I broke it out today just for you and all and all the Raleigh Hokies out there. No, I'm, I'm excited. It, it's funny because both of my favorite football teams have had about five years of just misery. Mm-hmm. It's not been fun. Um, and then also both of my favorite football teams have recently gone toward the uh, nostalgia. You know, yeah. but they've they bring Brent Pry back. Not that he, it's, it's actually the exact same. Um, you know, Frank Reich was not one of the greatest figures in Panthers history, but he was there in the beginning. Brent Pry, obviously not one of the greatest figures in Hokies history, but he was there in the beginning. So, yeah. you know, they're going back to those original times. I'm living in a parallel universe with my football teams, it seems, all the time. <laughs> As I was going to say, you're going to be out at uh, training camp. I'll be in Charlotte for ACC kickoff. No, I'll be on both. Uh, Are you going to be doing both? Me. Next Wednesday, I'm going to be burning up the interstate. I'm going to be at Spartanburg in the morning, and then I'm right. busting it back up to uptown to see you at the West. All right, man. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you there with our uh, our very pared down radio setup that I'm looking forward to experimenting <laughs> with. Hey, man, look, you know me. I'm a tech nerd, so I view it as a challenge, and I'm going to be really curious to see what I can I can stuff into a backpack and bring to the Ritz Carlton in Charlotte. All right. Oh, yeah. so, so back to the Panthers. You and I have talked about this, and there's some optimism about the division itself. The NFC South yeah. is there for the taking, just like the NFC South was there for the taking last year. Um, what's going to keep this team from competing for a playoff spot? Uh, I think injuries, uh, first and foremost. You know, that, that's it's a battle of attrition every single year in the NFL. Guys get hurt. You know, how bad will it be? You know, could this be a year where they can avoid any serious injury to, to impact players or any lengthy injury? I think that's a big one just to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think also, you know, who's going to emerge? Like, you've got pass catchers on this team at the wide receiver position that, you know, can be relied upon historically. Adam Thielen is a reliable guy, for instance. Um, at the tight end position, Hayden Hurst is a pretty reliable guy. He's not an elite tight end, but, you know, he's somebody that you can rely on. But in the wide receiver group specifically, like who's stepping up? Is DJ Chark, you know, after all the injuries last year and the way that he played down the stretch, is he going to take hold of a big role? 
Does Jonathan Mingo come out firing? Um, you know, Terrace Marshall Jr. is a big one. This mm-hmm. guy, he's got the frame, he's got the speed, he's got the hand size, hand size. Um, you know, he's got everything. And so, you know, they brought him here, if you'll recall, because of his connection to Joe Brady a couple yeah. of years ago. But, but I mean, him as a, a pick on his own was not a bad pick. Uh, but he and Matt Rule did not mesh. And so once they got rid of Matt Rule, Terrace Marshall Jr. started to come on. If a couple of those guys can start to step up, this passing game can really have a big year. And the last thing, the third thing I'll give you is, can they generate enough pass rush outside of just Brian Burns? Because they've made no other notable move to this point to bring in an, uh, an edge rusher opposite Burns. Um, and I don't know that outside of maybe a third down guy like a Marquise Haynes or maybe a Mari Barno, you know, steps up this year. They don't have anyone established opposite Burns right now to go get the quarterback. So, you know, I think those are the three things you look at and probably think that those are going to be the keys to a successful season. Cal Bailey, WFNZ in Charlotte. Check him out. Hey, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, Looking forward to getting out to Charlotte. Looking forward to actually seeing some Bryce Young in a Panthers uniform doing some things here in the next couple weeks. I'm optimistic. I haven't been this optimistic about a Panthers squad. Man, what, seven years, eight years at this point? I mean, it's, it's been, been a while where the Panthers are actually giving you something to be like, all right, you got my attention. I see where this is I going. Went, I went into 2018 really excited. Of course, mm-hmm. that's the season that they started 6-2, and two, and then T.J. Watt blows up Cam Newton in Pittsburgh on a Thursday night, yeah. and the rest is all down. I, I, went, I went into 2018 pretty excited. But ever since then, it's just sort of been, eh, it's either you're holding your breath or come 2020, we knew it was a complete, you know, restart. So The only, the only thing I'm – so this is the curiosity of uh, a little – peel back the curtain in our business, Kyle, before we say goodbye, you know, Matt rule gave us so much content, right. To make fun of at the end and, of the day, he sure did. I mean, just by mentioning Matt rule, I could put this on YouTube and it would get a bunch of clicks. People just want to clown Matt rule. I don't, I, I think people it's fun in the moment, but after a while it gets old. You don't want to be talking about the misery. You don't want to be talking about how things are just screwed up and how they continue to screw up. I think people are ready for something new in Charlotte, and that's what this team has an opportunity to cash in on. Let's see if they do it. I'm, I'm hopeful they are. I'm with you. And I, last thing on that, too, I, I think part of it is that Matt Rule won't shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> and, I, 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 and look, I've got no personal beef with Matt no, Rule. I, mean, I don't know the guy. We only, we only ever talked to him once, right? When he got the job, we he interviewed with us, and he I could tell right off the bat that he wasn't really down for shenanigans, which is fine, whatever. Not everybody's wired that way. Um, I got I got no beef with the guy, but at this point, that's the the Carolina Panthers thing is going to cease being a crutch for him when anybody who cares about Nebraska football wants to see results. So whatever happened and how you got a bad deal or your purification through the fire, people will stop caring about that. I'll be really curious to see how he transitions from that. No, if he just stopped bringing up the Panthers in, in public appearances and media interviews, I don't think there'd be as much hatred flowing back in his direction from the fans. Oh, so we'll see. No. We'll see if he stops. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. See you next week. Good to see you, buddy. Move on. Once again, big thanks to Kyle Bailey, WFNZ, for hanging out with us here on Ovias and Gilio. And shout out to Oak City Sports Cards, downtown Raleigh. It's one thing to collect. You might have some good cards on you. Some people might tell you these things, but there's only one way to know, and that is to get them graded. So hit up Weston. And uh, be like one of our listeners, uh, including Nick. Nick uh, tweeted at us, if I can pull up the tweet here. He actually took an Andrei Svechnikov rookie card, an upper deck. Um, pretty, yeah, it's an upper deck rookie card, an iced out blue autograph. Let me, let me pull it up. He went to Oak City Sports Cards and got that thing graded. And based on what I see, it looks like a 10. No notes. 
But Nick was happy. He got his first card graded Oak City, pleased with the results. So if you've got some cards, you think they've got some value, there's only one way to find out. Take it to Oak City Sports Cards. Also, shout out to Butcher's Market. I actually grilled up some Butcher's Market last night. Went with that char charred jalapeno garlic chicken breast. Say that 10 times fast. Doesn't matter. It's delicious. Um, it's like my new favorite thing at Butcher's Market. I'm actually mad at myself for having not gotten those before. I usually I usually go with the ancho chili chicken to make fajitas, but this jalapeno garlic one is just it's so good, and it goes great on fajitas. Uh, but it goes beyond that. You got your chicken, you got your steak, the signature signature steak tips everybody knows about. They got sandwiches, sides, all your grilling needs. They've got it at Butcher's Market locations throughout the Triangle, including my home base, the one on Falls of the Noose and Millbrook. All right, so. Kind of the theme of the day is what's been going on at Wrexham, Chelsea in uh, in Chapel Hill. About 50,000 people show up for that one. And intern Cal is now joining us, although Cal is not at Sedgefield. I thought part of the internship deal with Gilio, dude, was that you got to go golf with him. What happened? Why are you not at the, at the Wyndham Media Day? Okay, so the thing is, I'm so bad at golfing. Got it. That I cannot blame Gilio for not. You know, you're you're a kid after my own heart because you called it golfing, and that drives golfers insane. Really, it, it drives. So if you ever want to tick Jillio off, just say, "Hey, did you go golfing today?" And he'll probably be annoyed by that. Well, I'll keep one. I'll keep that in the arsenal. Pardon, please pardon do, please golf. do. So you you're you're in Chapel Hill right now, and I know you didn't go to the event last night, but it doesn't really matter because you got the sense of just how many people descended upon Chapel Hill to check this game out, right? Oh, I did. It was with the traffic in and out of Chapel Hill was just absolutely crazy all day yesterday. Franklin Street was insane. Um, you could really tell that there was just uh, a descending of soccer football fans from all over North Carolina and probably beyond uh, on Chapel Hill yesterday. So it was really just incredible to see. So last week we talked about recruiting actual results on the field versus the results on the 24-7 on three rankings. We gave you a little bit of a homework assignment with Chelsea and Wrexham in that what has the growth of soccer looked like here in North Carolina? You've got NCFC. Before that, it was the Railhawks. They tried for MLS. That failed because David Tepper had all the money. They bring Charlotte FC to Bank of America Stadium, and they they seem to, to have decent crowds for those games. But these international events are the thing that really steal the headlines. So where where have you seen this trajectory based on some of your research? I mean, I, I will tell you, for Charlotte in particular, the attendance numbers have just been crazy. Um, last year, at the at the beginning of the season, their their franchise premiere, uh, March 2nd of last year, mm-hmm. they broke the MLS attendance record out of the water, selling 74,000 tickets, um, which was just incredible. And the atmosphere there was crazy. And that's carried on. So over the course of last season, uh, Charlotte ended up finishing second in ticket sales across the entire MLS. And this is beating much more established franchises like the Revolution, the Galaxy, et cetera. The only team that beat them was Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. And that's looking to be the case this year as well. Charlotte's going to come second in ticket sales. So, you know, for, for a state that pr- focuses primarily on American football and basketball in terms of what people really love, soccer is just booming in Charlotte. And I think the fact that the friendly was decided to be in Chapel Hill, which mm-hmm. is the first major international friendly ever in Chapel Hill, um, I think that says something about you know, how much fans in this state are really looking for that kind of caliber in terms of competitive. This is where I got to lean on you being a lot younger than us in that I'm 
look, I'm familiar with soccer. I'm 44 years old. We've been told that soccer is the next big thing and, and everything else. And that's fine. I don't, I don't dismiss it. I just feel that as globalization has made the world feel, feel smaller, I think American audiences have had a taste of what the top level soccer is. And we can watch it on Saturday and Sunday mornings now with the English Premier League or the Champions League events and things like that. And MLS, because of no relegation, because it's owned by one entity and the teams aren't necessarily incentivized to truly win. Yes, Messi's in Miami, but what are the stakes of Messi in Miami other than you get to see Messi? So is it is it more of what we saw in Chapel Hill that's going to matter? Or is it more of establishing, in your opinion, what's happening in Charlotte that will ultimately get people to cross over? I think it's a real combined effect, especially given the fact that the World Cup is happening here in 2026. So as we see, you know, the domestic league starts to, first off, rise in quality because rankings happen pretty consistently of of top leagues. And the MLS has been in the top 10 for the past five years now Mm -hmm. uh, and is slowly growing. So, you know, having a successful domestic league is huge to just drive interest where people can go get $30 tickets to go see Charlotte. Uh, and not break the bank and have a great experience. But also, in terms of the international stuff, um, Chelsea was notable for being one of the only Premier League sides to actually feature an American player uh, in Christian Pulisic. Uh, And obviously, he just got transferred out. But that drove a lot of fans over to Chelsea because they wanted to root for an American, right? So I think it's a combined effect of, hey, there's more Americans that are becoming competitive in European football and international football. And we're starting to have a great domestic soccer league here. So the fact that those two things are simultaneously occurring is huge leading up to the World Cup. And I think the World Cup is really going to be that tipping point where we can now consider maybe not the MLS to be like a big league in the United States, uh, uh, you know, with the other four, Mm -hmm. but definitely for the sport itself to just really take off in the United States. All right. So what's your homework assignment for next week? We're going to be a kickoff next week. Yes. Yeah, so I would say something. Do we have some sort of like, actually, I, has Gilio given you an assignment yet or do I have to give you an assignment? You might have to give me one. He mentioned ACC kickoff. All right, but. So tell you what, this is, uh, this is the first year without divisions. So I would be curious to see how many, all right, so this is, it's, it's preseason rankings time, right? And every the media is going to submit who they think is going to win the league. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to go back through the specific division era. So when the ACC went to divisions, Atlantic and Coastal, how many times were teams were picked to win their respective divisions and how many times they actually followed through? That's interesting. And then, so that's so that's number one. How many times were they picked and how many times did that team that was picked follow through to win it? And then the follow-up to that is, which team in both divisions, Atlantic and Coastal, actually outperformed the prediction? So I have in my mind, I feel like Wake Forest would probably be the team that's consistently picked near the bottom of their division, but actually finished near the top of the division more years than not. So does that make sense? Absolutely. And I can expect fully that my Virginia Cavaliers are probably going to come at the bottom. Probably. Probably the case. Yeah. All right, Cal. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Joe. Sounds good. What's up next? What's up next? All right, before we say goodbye, let's get to some Hey Joe questions brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Check out Oakwood Pizza Box in downtown Raleigh, oakwoodpizzabox.com. We've been getting a lot of questions about the Chelsea-Wrexham match, and I thought Mark had an interesting question. Since 
Ryan Reynolds was not there. They were not in Chapel Hill last night. What was the most famous person attending the Chelsea-Wrexham match? That is a great question. Uh, based on all the visuals that I saw from friends on social media, it just looked like it was just a good old time for just everybody. I don't know in terms of celebrities. I actually did think it was interesting. Uh, one of the tweets from a former colleague of mine, Ethan Joyce. Ethan was there, and he had compiled a list of jerseys, sports team, you know, shirts, whatever, from other teams that were checking out this match. Now, obviously, you had your usual suspects with the Premier League. You saw some MLS, Charlotte FC, as we talked about earlier, and Inter Miami because, of course, Messi. Here's the part that I found interesting. All right, other sports. Think you're going to see a lot of UNC stuff, right? Apparently not. Apparently, Ethan, while he was on the concourse, only saw a Charlotte Hornets Larry Johnson jersey, which is great. I was like, what, no Jordan jersey in, in Chapel Hill? Come on now, Keenan. I see a Jordan jersey every time I go to Keenan. And apparently, while he was standing around, he did not spot one. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was somewhat interesting. All right, next up on Hey Joe, and you can use the hashtag Hey Joe uh, wherever on social media. I'll find it. We'll pull it up. Most of these usually come from Twitter. It's from Eric. What sporting event would be worth getting up at four o'clock in the morning to watch? I guess this is in relation to the British Open, which I believe it teed off at 1.35 this morning. Now that I'm getting older and my sleep patterns suck, I mean, I'd probably watch most sporting events at four o'clock in the morning now. If honestly, I have often thought about what life would be like if I lived on the West Coast during football season and how sweet it would be on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock to just be able to watch football brunch, watch football, not wait until one o'clock. You got the rest of your day to take care of it. Same with college football, right? I mean, those noon kickoffs in the morning, that would be cool, but I don't think anything's I'm not, I'm not moving anywhere just to be able to watch sports at four o'clock in the morning. Not yet. At least. All right, from Locked On Wolfpack on Twitter. Hey, Joe, the custom Philip Rivers painting at the celebration went for 80K last night, as we talked about earlier. How much would you pay for this beauty? And it's the classic Chuck Amato making a face at a at an official. You people. Priceless. You cannot put a price on that. I would love to put it behind the wall here in our studio. Uh, but something tells me I would not be able to afford it, much like Giulio could not afford the Philip Rivers painting last night at the NIL event. From Rob on Twitter, hey, Joe, are you ready for the annual pumpkin beer release on August 1st while it's hotter than hell out? Yeah, pumpkin pumpkin creep continues to happen uh, in terms of the beer itself. The pumpkin spice latte usually hits right after Labor Day. And of course, if you go to a big box store, the minute July 4th passes, it is officially spooky season uh, in their seasonal section because they got to start moving that product. We've talked about this on 919 Vice a lot. We always make fun of pumpkin beer season and why it happens that they're releasing these things in the summer. One, shelf space is a premium. So if you can get the product out there now, you're good to go. And by the time you get to Halloween, they've already moved on to the other seasonals. So there's all it, it's all in the calendar of release and distribution and shelf space that leads to pumpkin beers being on the shelf right now when you're not even thinking about having a pumpkin beer. And ironically, when you do get to October and Thanksgiving and you want a pumpkin beer, 
good luck trying to find him. Now, I will say this. Eshbaugh and I did a pumpkin beer episode last year. We might revisit it this year. And while I really enjoyed this, it was like um, it was a pumpkin beer from New Belgium that had some heat to it. There was some jalapeno in it. And I thought it was great. I actually really enjoyed it. The problem with that pumpkin beer was that it wrecked my palate. So everything that I tasted after that tasted like watermelon. So if you're going to have that New Belgium pumpkin beer that's got some kick to it, make sure that's the only beer that you are drinking when it comes to pumpkin. Because after that, it's all going to taste like watermelon, unless you feel like having watermelon in the middle of October. All right, from Bull City Coordinators on Twitter, what are your thoughts on the Ahsoka trailer? It looks great, honestly. But then again, I thought Book of Boba Fett looked like it was going to be cool too, and that actually ended up being the worst of these Disney Plus Star Wars shows. I will say this, though, about Ahsoka. It is a labor of love for the guy who runs it, Dave Filoni, who's in charge of all these things. And I was a big fan of Rebels, uh, the old Disney XD show. My My only concern... I'll, I will enjoy it because I'm invested in the characters. My only concern for a show like this is that it feels like there's a lot of homework assignments that are due in order to watch this for casual watchers, right? Like Clone Wars was, you, it required homework. You had, to, you had to watch all these arcs to get an idea of what was going on with everything else. And I feel like that's going to be the problem with Ahsoka. Like, okay, well, well who's, who's, who's Sabine and, and who's Ezra? And what, 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 huh? Kanan, who, is he going to have a role? Okay, well, who's who's this heir to the Empire? So there's a lot of homework for the casual Star Wars fan. I'm going to be really curious to see how they ramp everybody up for that. All right. Next, hey, Joe, question. We've got one from our friend, your Canadian girlfriend. Hey, Joe, would it help the Canes if they got off Bally Sports and started their own broadcast network like the Suns? No, it, it actually wouldn't. It makes more sense for a team like the Canes to get guaranteed money from a broadcast partner like Bally's than it is to go on their own because they just don't have the they don't have the mass appeal of a uh, Pittsburgh, New York, et cetera. As much as Tom Dunnan has done a lot to make this team a cap team and improve this team, there still is a fan issue. I'm not saying they don't have fans. I'm just saying beyond what we have locally, how much money can you make? And if you go direct, I'm not quite sure they would be able to make up that difference. So they would need the rental aspect of it. They would need somebody to pay the Canes to broadcast it, and then they go and sell it. I don't see them going direct uh, like some other teams might be able to. But then again, I could be wrong. Tom Dundon's a, usually a forward-thinking guy. Maybe there's a partnership now that wagering is going to be legal in 2024. There's a partnership where Tom Dundon gets with DraftKings, FanDuel, that has their own TV. And who's to say? I mean, everything is possible. I don't know what to make of the TV landscape anymore. And we'll close, hey, Joe, on this from Andrew, which is the correct way to slice a sandwich. Triangles, rectangles, no slicing. I am a triangles guy. Now, typically, I don't do any slicing. When I would make my sad sandwich lunch at the old place, you know, bring it to, the, bring it to my cubicle and have it there while doing some work, I never sliced it. I just had the whole sandwich. But if I'm going to slice it, I need that traditional triangle. That's how I roll. That is how I roll. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Ovias and Gilio. Enjoy your weekend. We got five shows for you next week. We got so much content from ACC kickoff. We can't fit it into three. We're going to do it in five. We'll see you then. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.